Hey, thanks for signing up to the Public Beta Podcast. It's Wednesday, March 11th, 2021. No, it doesn't make any fucking sense, Reed, our host this week. Reed, myself, yeah. Lee. Uh, because, okay. If the idea... So, multiple Metal Gear Solid fans in this in this place of work. Yes. And we talked to them about the arm thing. And, and, and the thing I can't get over is, is the thing that they are just accepting. And I can't accept it as a plot right. point. And that thing is, why would Ocelot need to trick the AI into yes. thinking he's liquid? And a guy from work says, well, because Ocelot knows... Doesn't even get named anymore because he dropped out of the car. <laughs> this is guy from work now. No, Andrew yeah. said at work today that because the AI know that Ocelot knows all the passcodes, the secrets, right. the locations yes. of all the Patreon that, places. Doesn't that make him the most dangerous motherfucker yeah, to their exactly. plan? Yeah, exactly. So he needs to make himself liquid so the AI just thinks he's Liquid Snake. Yeah, and but, then they're like, okay, no big deal. But why don't they pick any other human being on the planet other than the guy who's just like, listen, I I know all your weaknesses because and passcodes. He's because he's attached his arm Elgir Gear Solid too. That's the only reason, Lee. Yeah, logic, like... Yeah, lines. but why don't they just be like, let's play it safe and just and kill, kill this anybody. motherfucker for I, no, regardless. He's yeah. too dangerous to us. I think I think that bleeds <laughs> a little bit into the fact that Liquid, in, by the time Metal Gear Solid 4 rolls around, owns 90% of the world's PMCs, which is the entire economy. Yeah, but by the time Metal Gear Solid 4 has rolled around, the Patriots have already fucked up. In yes. my opinion. They've already lost. They, yeah, they yeah. should have killed Ocelot immediately, even if he was pretending to be liquid, yeah. because, it, like, why would you take that chance? Anyway, that's a flaw. Ocelot's like, I can I can enact this at any time, but I'm going to do the prestige, I'm going to do the theatrics of standing on that boat in the bay and doing the, and, the and, finger and, guns, <laughs> and like, and I well, can't... no, Lee, by that point, he did yeah. actually think he was liquid. He was fully, he was gone. Okay, well, that. I can't hold that against him, because it's like, it's, it's fantastic, awesome. <laughs> but and it's, anyway, it's, it's, I, the fan service of it, if the, if the explanation is because of the fan service is too good to give up if you take Ocelot out of the story, then I'll accept that. I'll no, accept that. No, he needs liquid out of the story. He needs liquid sure. to be that flamboyant. Yes. Uh, yeah, in, in hindsight, it doesn't really yeah. make sense. I wish wrestlers worked that way. I wish we could take, like, Ultimate Warrior, but then, like, put on him the personality of another wrestler. Take Undertaker's hat and... Uh, comes, yeah, <laughs> so it's just, like, take Eddie Kingston's promo ability and... and and give it to so yeah, it, it doesn't you know. really make a lot of sense because one if the AI were so smart they'd be like well let's kill him anyway and two right. if Ocelot was so smart he'd be like how would I choose any person that isn't Liquid who is like the number two bad guy on the AI's list right yeah okay so like it goes back to Hollywood Not I, I don't remember the exact mm-hmm. name so I'll leave them out uh, but I think it was like a Steve McQueen maybe thing but anyways he leaves his wife over uh, uh he goes to do a movie overseas and he leaves his wife with the most studly actor of all time spoiler alert they fuck and the the marriage is over but at that point the decision on his part was likely i'm gonna set this up to happen so i don't i'm not an idiot because this is ultimately the outcome i want sure uh fuck it Fuck Metal Gear Solid 2. It's in the past. Uh, <laughs> it's more Metal Gear Solid 4 than anything. Uh, right, but we're getting there. And before we get there, we have to talk about not only one of the greatest Metal Gear Solid games, if not the greatest Metal Gear Solid game, but also one of the greatest video games of all time, period. And that's Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater. Uh, we will get to that in due time. Yeah. Uh, first, let's talk about what we have been playing. And I've played a few few new things, so uh go ahead <laughs> you go first what i've been playing is destiny 2 nothing has really changed since then what light level are you now uh 1305 so oh, wow. really hit the cap god damn yeah i'm really grinding things out and honestly there's not much to report on so you can go any right ahead. any cool exotics uh i got the dead man's tail which is a repeating right. rifle that looks yeah, yeah. like a lincoln repeater it's got the, is that the lever action or is it the, yeah, it's yeah, yeah lever action yeah. i got cool. a couple free exotics for my season pass yesterday right which is pretty yep. neat yep and uh, honestly, not much to report as far as what I'm playing. Just playing lots of Destiny. Yeah, uh, same here. Uh, most of my last week was spent uh, catching up, playing some Destiny. I think my light level is like maybe 1270 at best. Uh, but then there's also the artifact you have, which is boosting your light. So at the end of the season, suddenly you lose 10 light, and you're like, oh, fuck! I thought I was cool. Turns out I'm just an anus. Uh, I like the way that game is structured right now. I don't know why they would add a war room to that game. Oh, uh... uh I found a fix to your fucking problem, by the way. Download the Destiny app on your phone, and you can get all the bounties in two seconds. Okay, are you leaving? What's happening? No, I understand that because I'm being weird. Wait, you can pick up bounties from your the app? Yes. But you can't pick up bounties in-game? That's correct, Lee, because they want you to download the app. <laughs> 
So you download Okay, well, I officially quit Destiny, because that's... Putting a quality of life something behind your companion app, which I have, is... So you, you it spends your glimmer. Yeah, you just you open the app. Like one of the first things you see is bounties. You click yeah. it. It has every available bounty. You just click it and click buy, and then you got it. it so in up. my in my day, uh, if I was uh, playing Destiny One, let's say there was all kinds of third party apps and stuff you could get for Chrome, uh, which would be like for for your storage, right? So if you had weapons on another character or in your storage, you could quickly drag and drop them this to your all, character, you could also do and that they would the pop. Right. So the companion app always had that, which I was fine with, because uh, because it's fair. This is this is time. This is time. If I'm logging into the game for the first time this week, the first 15, 20 minutes will assuredly be me checking out all the bounties, uh, figuring out what I need, and then going maybe to a planet or two and grabbing those bounties, and then assessing my quest. If I can do this from the app, or if I can just do it in game, why the fuck? Okay. <laughs> so they have this war room, the helm, uh, yeah. which is reminiscent of an Avengers area. So I'm like, why the fuck would you? But anyways, the quests themselves, the battlegrounds quests or whatever, are pretty fun. They just send yeah, cabal. There is, they're basically just strikes. Yeah, yeah. The fact that yeah. they're not called strikes, honestly, they're is not. It? They're battlegrounds, okay. And then yeah. you smash things with a hammer. That's all good. Different. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Destiny Two is is trending currently in this on this podcast. Oh, we, I thought the, you the, meant, like worldwide. It's trending world. worldwide. <laughs> Destiny Two. Uh, okay, so that's that's mostly what you've been playing. I got a game called Fights in Tight Spaces. Uh, this is an Xbox game on Game Preview. I believe it is also on Steam on Game Preview. Uh, you get two hours free when you download this thing, and then you can uh, buy in. It's about $25 Canadian. It is, like I said, an early access, so uh, take that with a grain of salt. It is, guess what? A deck-building, run-based game! Da -da 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 -da. Except in this case, uh, the fights are taking place on a grid. Isometric view. Uh, very stylized. The you, You've seen Super Hot before? The game Super Hot? No. Okay. Uh, kind of like stark white and gray detailed backgrounds. And then the enemies will appear in black or red. And then you have you, your character, which is like a secret agent. Uh, you're given a mission. You're trying to take down these gangs. It gives you different scenarios. You choose where on the map you're going. So if you're like, I need medical, uh, you would go on this path. If you're like, oh, I just want to upgrade my cards, you go on another path. All of your moves are tied to a deck of cards, and then you have a momentum and a combo meter. Every time you attack, it builds your combo meter up. That allows you to use other cards. Otherwise, you have a standard three momentum every match, which is just like the embers in Monster Train. Uh, the game has an excellent soundtrack. Uh, the game is mostly done, as far as I can tell. Like You can just play through the game at this point, so it should be fully launched uh, any time now. Uh, great style, great soundtrack. Uh, you're doing things like, okay, so I need to be able to move around my enemies. Uh, so you have slip cards, shift cards, uh, dash cards to move you around. Uh, and then it's turn-based. So you take your turn of momentum, you end your turn, and then your enemies will attack. If you can, during your turn, pull and push enemies or move them into the range of other enemies, they will hit their, uh, their buddies. Uh, so there's a lot of times where you're straight up like, push a guy in front of a guy who has a gun and then the guy with the gun just shoots the guy and the way the game is like turn-based makes it look super funny it's just like don't pull the trigger man don't shoot your own guy uh and then when you beat the level you can show a replay and it actually shows you all your moves not in real time it shows you like in that weird stilted way with a dynamic camera angle uh it seems like if they cut out the movement from this john wick uh hex was another game that did this uh grid-based tactical uh, shooter and then at the end it speeds it up and shows you here's what really happened only it looks weird like a video game um there's a bunch of different decks you can get you can do counter decks aggressive decks balance decks uh you get more cards as you go you upgrade cards to do other things you can stun enemies you can move them around uh really really cool game i uh highly recommend people check it out it's called fights in tight spaces and then uh a game was free on the psn plus you may have heard of it it's called remnant from the ashes I have... What the fuck is that? Gunfire Games Remnant from the Ashes was a game that, when it was launched, was the first game billed as a multiplayer Souls game. Oh, okay, okay. And it is... But it that, shares a lot in common with Souls, except all for... They're multiplayer. What? Well, no. This is like co-op. So this is like you and a, you grow a character, your buddy jumps in. At the time, Dark Souls did not have this. Yes, it did. No, as of like Dark Souls, like Demon's, one and two. Demon Souls. No, 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 it had it had the whole lay a sign down. It didn't have the I can just invite a buddy in. Oh, Souls never had that at that time. It does now with the, uh, Bloodborne. As of Bloodborne, it does right. Uh, kinda, not really. They still use signs, but you can set passwords. Right, be guaranteed to match. With so this the this cuts out the bullshit. and It's straight up like join on me and let's go fight kind oh, of thing. Oh, Vein. Uh, uh, Covain was much later, though. Wow. Yeah. And anime, so we won't talk about that. Remnant from the Ashes is set in the Cold War, just like Metal Gear Solid 3. 
Uh, except this is an alternate timeline where aliens from another dimension have come through a portal that we... Okay, so like SCP uh, and, and Control and stuff like that, this is something that has a crazy lore that they've established like this crazy supernatural lore where uh, say resistance fall yeah of resistance man. fall of man <laughs> uh, so uh in these facilities basically people are able they're called dreamers are able to see into these other dimensions and what lies uh there and it's it's nonsensical to them it's creatures they've never seen before it's things like that and a little uh, bit Lovecraftian, if you will. Yes, and then there is some kind of dark force that is taking out these parallel worlds, and they, uh, the the creatures, the denizens of these worlds that the dreamers are looking into. It's like Avatar. The dreamer assumes the consciousness of something called a guardian, and now suddenly, when the denizens of that world start to notice that the guardian is there, it's like it's like cool ass lore in this game that is literally just a third person shooter, uh, with when you're in subway tunnels and stuff like that. Uh, but then there's like a, a apocalyptic event. So Earth, we got trouble. We got these things called the Root. They're basically uh, oh, everything has such lame names. Yeah, like the flood, the the Root. No, uh, yeah, it's because Halo did it first. They're like, we're gonna call this to Cryptograph and yes. like the Forerunners, and this is the Banshee. And now everything has to be like, like why can't you call your shit like instead of Dreamers like? Sleeping unit zero zero eight six. I mean, that's what it is. Like, it's a it's a facility where like they're they're doing government testing shit. It's like a silo, right? Yeah. Uh, so, anyways, it, it's fine. Like, it's fun as a co op game. There are three different classes that don't really amount to much. Uh, the game isn't a a loot shooter by any stretch of the imagination. It is a game like Souls, where you find weapons, and every weapon you find is potentially. A huge boon to you, right? So it's like my buddy's like, "Oh, did you know you can go back here and get a submachine gun?" Oh fuck! Well, I got that submachine gun and leveled it up. Guess what? It's great. Uh, so it's a game where you kind of build your loadout and then upgrade it, just like Souls. You yeah. get your your iron and your whatnot. And you, uh, this is plus ten now or whatever. Uh, then you get modifications that are basically your spells and stuff, and those get slotted onto your weapons. Uh, so you'll have healing, you'll have fire ammo and stuff like that. Um, it's fine. the The environments and all of it is uh, procedurally generated. Which is maybe the most interesting part about the game is that you will go through the same area maybe twice because I've played on your account, now you've joined my game, and you find that my game is completely different. The city is completely different. There's different things to come across, uh, which is something that Souls didn't really have. They've never done a procedurally generated now, closest, actual in-name Dark Souls. Closest they've gotten is the recent Demon's Souls remake. If yeah. you, uh, you spend a certain amount of souls, you can unlock the statue. One of the options in the statue is to reverse or mirror every level. Oh, okay. Including your controls. Reverse is interesting. Including your controls. Oh, what? Why? So, like, uh, going, like, left will make you go right. You can't, right. like, you can't just choose one or the other. It's all reversed all I, the time? I think so, yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. Because, like, Hades, which you got to the end of there and you saw that it gives you the big scroll of, like, hey, augment your game. One or two of those would be fine, but if it's doing them all at once, that's exponentially more, yeah. more difficult. Uh, the game is a bit hard uh, in a way that, obviously, they were trying to ape Demon Souls at the time, so, like, you take... Massive amounts of damage. There are a billion different status effects that all build up with the meter, just like fucking souls. Yeah. Uh, the character designs in the game looks fine. It's fucking free. So ultimately, I'm saying maybe go check it out if you're just looking for a third-person shooter. There's melee as well. Uh, if you have a buddy to play with, it's it's okay. It's an okay game, Remnant from the Ashes. But I didn't stop there. No. On my tour of uh, long-forgotten... Uh, multiplayer survival games. Uh, I also we also got pretty far in Fallout 76. We've hit the level cap in that game. Oh baby! So if you've played a lot of Fallout 76, what I'm saying to you might sound common. What I'm saying to you might be something you are fucking well aware of. Me and my buddy were not aware of this. He built a camp near his camp. He found a cave. It's not on the map. It's just a cave. Okay. He goes into this thing. And he starts seeing things he hasn't seen anywhere else in the game. Models of animals and stuff he's never seen in a Fallout game before. He's like, what? This sounds like a, a creepy pasta story on like 4chan. Like, you're like, you found the haunted version of Fallout 76. Anyways, he's going into this cave, giant mole crickets. He gets a little further and he finds a dead scuba diver. Like in a full old school like scuba diving outfit. And he's got a note on him for the president. He says, for the president's eyes only. And he's like, well, what the fuck, right? So he clicks this fucking note and it's just like... I, they didn't believe me. I found it. They've got a fucking spaceship or something under there. I've got to get this note to the present. What the fuck's going on? That's it. And the room is... There's no exit to the room. There's just water. So this motherfucker pops a rad X and uh, gets ready. Goes for a little swim. And like splunks around and he's like, 
okay, I have to, I have to stop here. I'm going to get my, I need backup. Cause like, who knows what's on the other side of this thing. So yesterday we log in and we do some quests and he's like, okay, before we go any further, let's fucking explore this cave. And I, I, I'm like, okay, let's, let's explore this cave. He, he's like, you're going to have to hold your breath here. If you do not have full health and a Radex, you will die on this dive. So I'm diving. You can't see shit. I'm trying to follow him through like underwater. Like there's little narrow things like this. And I'm like, well, this is fucking cool for a Fallout game. I've never experienced something like this. Uh, Fallout New Vegas uh, vault. One of the vaults. The very... You could, you could imply though that being a vault, it's a curated experience that's meant to be explored, right? This is a literal cave with a guy in a note. We come out on the other side of this water and there's a bunch of flora and illuminated red uh, vines and stuff that you haven't seen anywhere else in the game. So this is interesting. We go a little further. We find the corpse of an alien. It's the best way I can put it. Like an alien cow. A, a model that I've never seen in a Fallout game before. Mm. This like dead cryptid, let's call it. So already we're, we're intrigued. What's beyond here? He takes me down a little slope and he's like, this is as far as I went. I'm like, okay. So we go. There's a, there's a series of caves and uh, we, we see in the distance... What I can only describe is like a fucking space station. Like, what the fuck? We're like deep underground. We've swam through this thing. As of right now, it's like, oh man, we got we got to swim out of here or something. This is going to be awful if, if things go bad. We find this giant facility that's surrounded on all sides by like a yellow radiation lava. All these crazy alien plants. Then the base itself has cannons on it and start to shoot robots at us. We start fighting the robots. It shoots robots. It shoots communist Chinese robots at us. We're like, okay, I think we know where this is going. Then out of the front doors of this base come, I kid you not, 20 to 30 communist soldier ghouls. Oh. So we get into this huge shootout, which is awesome because we're like deep underground in this crazy... It looks like, uh, do you ever play Gears of War? Look at all that juice. It looked like that. It looked yeah, like yeah. that facility. So we shoot our way through there and we realize that uh, this is something called the Savage Divide. There are a series of underground communist bunkers. Uh, there's no terminals to interact with. There's, there's, we can't really get a good sense of what these guys were doing here. The only thing that the environmental storytelling tells you is that this was here well before the events of the game took place. This is before the bombs dropped. This is before everything. What the fuck were these guys doing? Uh, and then you find that there are drill cars that will actually take you around the map. So what it seems like is... Once you know about this and you know about these secret locations, you can quickly traverse across the map because fast travel isn't free in Fallout 76. Mm. Um, so now we are very interested in going to the other facilities, seeing if they are also filled full of Chinese ghouls and killing them as well. Uh, but this whole time we were playing this, like, there's no quest. There's, no, there's nothing on the map for this. We are just, hey, he found this cave and he's like, we should dig deeper into it. And I'm saying if people have been playing Fallout 76 or have looked up stuff about this game, this is probably as common as anything in the game. Us dumbasses following into this cave and being like, wow, aliens and Chinese soldiers uh, was, <laughs> was vastly interesting. Uh, as have most of our uh, our time with, with Fallout 76 been. I'm going to play that game until my uh, my Fallout first runs out. So whenever that is, I'll probably fall off the oh, game. Oh, right, the paid subscription. That's right. I, I paid Todd. I, I opened up my wallet to Todd and I let him in over 16 times. The detail. So that's what I've been playing uh, for this past week. There's been a lot of news. We're going to try to uh, just hit on the bigger stuff. That was stuff. a very long what you were playing. Uh, it, it only seems that way. Uh, <laughs> Does it? <laughs> new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game coming. Retro beat em up coming from Dot .emu, the, uh, the publisher. I believe the Scott Pilgrim crowd uh, and the guys who had something to do with Streets of Rage 4 are coming out with this. So fans of Turtles now here in 2021, there's been as many bad arcade beat em up turtles as there have been good. We had them try to remake Turtles in Time and it came out as reshelled. Arcade beat-em-ups are, like, my least favorite video. I was going to say, not only arcade beat-em-ups, but do you have any affinity for the Ninja Turtles? No, I'm Yeah, like, you're, you're too young. No, I'm not too young. You're I remember too young for the Ninja Turtles. I remember, I distinctly had a VHS of the original TMNT. It's okay, good. Fucking, I thought you were going to say the live-action Fox it's Kids show. It's the Virgin show. TMNT versus the Chad Biker Mice from Mars. Sure. Yeah, I guess. Biker Mice were fucking, like, like Vince McMahon would... would be booking those guys. Where are these biker mice from? <laughs> I want to sign them. Uh, 
Fucking biker mice. Those never crossed over because that would be a downgrade for the turtles. Like the biker mice are nowhere near Fuck that. the biker fucking mice level. Biker mice are way cooler. Yeah, they can. Somewhere in between that is the samurai pizza cats, <laughs> and it's, it's all derivative and it's all it's all pizza. bad. Uh, but Ninja Turtles are great, and it'd be cool to see uh, see this game be good. Uh, I was hearing something along the lines of Sony making a deal with uh, Denuvo or whatever the uh, the DRM people. Uh, so that's bad news, because they did a, a lot of PC games that were using that have had all kinds of issues with people being able to connect to their game. This is, of course, DRM that also is active when it's an offline game. So for Sony, Sony doesn't release a lot of first-party multiplayer games. Their bread and butter is God of War and Last of Us and things that are single-player. If they were to do a DRM on God of War, why? Why would they... So that that's a story that's fucking developing. Apex Legends is out on Switch, and apparently it's pretty rough. Um, As it would be, fucking Switch can't run four people in a goddamn Smash game. What makes you think you're going <laughs> to run 40 people in a fucking Battle Royale with a map that huge? There's goddamn slowdown in my Animal Crossing town when I'm zooming around. Uh, so, I mean, yeah. yeah. Like, Nintendo's online is fucking pathetic, so. Uh, yeah, the other the other thing to note is, of course, the rumors of the Switch Pro. Uh, Bloomberg's out there just bullying people into being like, yeah, it exists, and this is what it has. And Nintendo's like, what are you Now talking? this Switch can be as powerful as the release PS4 and Xbox One. <laughs> <laughs> We've finally made a Switch as powerful as the Xbox 360. <laughs> Get ready. Uh, but, like, what features would you want in an upgraded Switch? Like, who gives a fuck? How about that? Uh, I've heard people straight up say, like, it doesn't need to be portable. And it's like, well... The whole reason the Switch exists is... is I know, people say that, but like 95% of me playing Pokemon was on portable. Because you can just like lie down and give a shit. It's nice to have the option. Yeah. But it also means that the console is that less powerful, right? Yeah. Uh, so people think that the dock would be the source of the power. Right, I mean, like, look at the fucking Wii at the time. Wii was a bag of shit as far as right. technology goes, so don't give me that shit. Well, here's the thing from Don't my... act like Nintendo is all of a sudden going to fucking make the most powerful console. What if they did? No, here's the thing, though, is with Nintendo and graphics, graphics, I don't give two shits about. It can look like garbage. It's performance. It's the frames. It's the slowdown. It's that stuff, which goes hand-in-hand hand with the graphics, admittedly, but that's the stuff on Switch I have a problem with. Like, Pokemon Sword and Shield looks, for, mo for the most part, like shit. But the slowdown in the wild areas no, and stuff like that was Nintendo way worse. Completely revamp their entire online system before uh, they do anything as far as a new Switch goes. The fact that I have to have a different online account between my 3DS and my Switch is fucking crazy. Do you still have to do that? Yeah. Okay. Uh, the fact that I can't just be like, hey, everything's Lee, just logged in. Hey, Lee, so. what's your username on Switch? Oh, it's two seven nine four B five. Okay, great. Next, yeah. next. even though we're friends, I'll text you a code to hop into my right. Pokemon game because I can't just fucking invite so, you. So, listen, let's let's shit on Nintendo a little bit more uh, because we're here. Uh, the online thing is now something we pay for. And I always thought that when the online stuff was free, like for Pokemon with voice chat and stuff like that, they kept it that cryptic because they didn't want people contacting each other with direct information. Whatever. Like, sure. they didn't want kids being preyed upon. They yeah. didn't want people uh, posting dicks in PictoChat. It all went bad. So... Uh, ultimately, when they started charging for online, and there's credit cards involved, and there's accounts involved where, hey, I can see you're 18, I'm 18 too, we can send each other dicks all day. Uh, at that point, I thought Nintendo would lighten up and be like, okay, but we have this additional bit of, of data, we know these people are consenting adults, why? Why would we still keep using these friend codes? Why would we still keep all these privacy and things why in place? do we not have friend invites directly in-game? It's insane. Not, why it's... do we not have chat parties? Why do we not have direct headset yeah. support? And the, and the greatest defense of this by anyone who tries to defend it is, oh, it's Nintendo. Which I don't think is a fucking... Yeah. Not a defense, uh, last like, I checked. So, fucking crazy. Uh, yeah, so that's bad. Uh, and they should uh, they should fix that. You should feel bad. It's 2020 fucking one. And you're yeah. not... It, if it was free... We can't really complain. You get yeah, what you pay when for. When Xbox 360 in 2008 is easier to navigate online... Dude, if we wanted to play a game on Switch and have voice chat, we would be better off to fire up an Xbox from 2008 and use the party chat yeah, on no, there to talk. Yeah, no, a third-party service like yes. fucking Discord or something. I've most definitely used PlayStation 4 to chat with my buddy while we played Animal Crossing. It was just like, hey, yeah, let's use that thing. Yep. Uh, that's insane. So I don't know how that turned into a Nintendo bashing uh, fest, but <laughs> the Switch Pro is not the answer, I think is what we were trying to say. They yeah. have bigger problems than their current hardware. Um, 
they've sold so fucking many of them. The other thing would be like, okay, if new games are coming out and they're optimized for the Pro, what does that mean for the fucking 80 million Switches that are currently on the market? That it's are insane. all shit, yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. We, I think we took our uh, pound of flesh out of, uh, <laughs> out of them. Microsoft has confirmed they have bought Bethesda. The deal has gone through. Phil Spencer has said, guess what? Some of Bethesda's games will be exclusive. Like Deathloop coming exclusively to the PlayStation 5. That's embarrassing. Like, yeah, all those, all those successful Bethesda games that aren't Doom. Uh, Dude, if they put Rogue Warrior on Game Pass, I will download it and beat it a third time. <laughs> on the highest difficulty. And it'll only take me 45 minutes to yeah. an hour. Uh, Outriders had a beta. Outriders is the next... I totally forgot to play that. Yeah. You, you should look up, the, look up the trailer for it and just see, like, is this too bad for us to even try? Because we play every bad service loot game. Yeah. That's our thing, that's, for some that's reason. That's our favorite. We're looking for that next... But then Destiny's always there, and it's going to be hard to hold a candle to something so established. Yeah. Uh, but Outriders is going to try on April 1st. So at least if it fucks up like that bomb at Revolution. It looks like the most generic, Uh, holy shit, we want to be Destiny game I've ever seen. It's like, yeah, like they did a bunch of concept art based on a bunch of different properties and none of it hit the cutting room floor. They're like, what if we put it all in there? Yeah, what if we took Anthem and Destiny aesthetics and mixed them together? (laughs) Well, then you have the... Let's don't mix Anthem with anything. Let's stop. Let's stop you right there. Uh, All right, that's enough. That's enough of that. Uh, GTA Five sent me an email. How to claim your GTA in-game currency benefit? It's changing. All right. <laughs> so far, they've been doing it automatically. Now it'll be a store listed thing. It's a fucking huge email about how to get your million dollars in GTA. But I digress. Read from late last night will now uh, take us quickly through the plot of Metal Gear Solid 3 and then we will rejoin here to begin our discussion of it hey guys next part of the story summary here with Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater so this is a prequel to the entire series including the original Metal Gear and Metal Gear 2 for the MSX this time it stars Big Boss as the main character instead of Solid Snake except except at this point in time he's only known as Naked Snake So this takes place in 1964, and we start off the game with a virtuous mission. So in the 1964, this is when it takes place with the Cold War between Russia and uh, the United States. And there's this scientist named Sokolov, who is an engineer who has, I believe, been taken captured by uh, Russian radicalists, or GRU, I believe they're called, led by one Colonel Volgin. And Sokolov has essentially created this big tank motherfucking thing called the Shagohod. So it's at this point that uh, Fox, it's not Fox Sound at this point, it's just Fox, sends in their best agent, who is Naked Snake, to infiltrate the facility and rescue Sokolov as a favor to the uh, Major overseeing this operation, Major Zero, as he's friends with Sokolov. So Snake makes his way down and uh, gets Sokolov, not before meeting, not before meeting a really young revolver ocelot. Except he's just using a regular pistol. He tries to take down Naked Snake. Naked Snake is way too much of a badass, though. Flips all this shit, calls him pretty good, and remarks that his particular hand style, the way he loads and the quick draw, would lend itself much more to a revolver. So as Snake's making his way back with Sokolov, uh, he's actually intercepted by the boss. The boss is his mentor and the one who taught him everything that he knows with the military. She's also a legendary hero of World War II along with her Cobra unit. Uh, Everybody looks up to her. She was earlier just participating as an overseer of the mission along with Major Zero, uh, but she's actually here in the flesh. So Snake's like, what are you doing here? And the boss fucking defects from the United States. Volgan shows up, and as a gesture of goodwill, the boss hands over two fucking nukes to Volgan. Naked Snake's like, what the hell's going on? So they take Sokolov, and the boss beats the shit out of Naked Snakes and leaves him for death. And then they take off. But not before Volgan decides he's going to nuke the facility that they were at. Ocelot, who's in the helicopter, is even like... And Ocelot's a crazy motherfucker. We all know this from the torture and everything. Uh, so even him, he's playing like, what are you doing? You can't just fucking nuke that place. And Volgan's like, ah, yeah, I can. And so he nukes the entire area. Uh, Naked Snake gets away safely safely by um, Fulton Rescue, I believe, yes. 
I don't know if it's explained in this game or future games, but this also renders Snake uh, impotent or sterile, I guess. Um, the the nuclear radiation, I think, kills his sperm count, and he can't have children. Uh, not legitimately, at least. <laughs> Shit goes down. Uh, Russia essentially blames the nuclear attack on America. Uh, so yeah, the Prime Minister of Russia and the U.S. President have come to an agreement that if the U.S. can stop uh, Volgan's faction because they are a Russian radicalist group, they can destroy the Shagohod since it is uh, a nuclear-armed uh, mobile weapon and also uh kill the boss and then essentially why they have to kill the boss is well because she defected obviously and she supplied the nukes so if they can kill the boss they can put all the blame on her because she stole the nukes and everything like that she'll just be marked as a traitor what she is so the u.s is like all right well i guess we're just going to send in naked snake again so that's what they do so major zero is once again the leader of this operation he's your colonel campbell if you will on the flip side you got uh, paramedic as your save person she is obsessed with Godzilla movies and like yeah that's all I remember about paramedic is she really likes Godzilla and vampires maybe vampires um, you also have uh, Signet who he, he kind of plays that like Natasha role from Metal Gear Solid 1 where you kind of just there to talk to if you want to talk to him you can go the entire game without really having a conversation with him but if you really like guns, because Naked Snake really fucking likes guns, then he's a really cool guy to talk to because they just talk about guns the entire time. I really, uh, my second playthrough of this game, I, re I really went through that and really enjoyed it. So anyway, Snake uh, lands down and yeah, he's going to go on to his new mission. So uh, he also learns at this point that the NSA sent in two agents as double agent spies, whatever you want to call them, named Adam and Eve, very fitting. And he's to, make, he's to make contact with Adam here, essentially, so they can uh, get moving. So Naked Snake makes his way up towards uh, one of the new facilities or buildings or whatever. And instead of meeting Adam, he actually meets Eva, or Eve. She's super attractive, and she's, like, seducing Snake in a super obvious way. But Snake's just like, oh, the mission, <laughs> um, And she's like, yo, I know where Sokolov is. Like, we'll go get him and everything. You meet the boss again, and she just beats the shit out of Snake, and is like, go the fuck home, like, you won't be able to beat me. And Snake's like, no, nah, I gotta. Uh, so you continue on, uh, you fight the pain, and the pain is part of the Cobra unit, who also defected with the boss, just because, and we need, you know, bosses in this game. The Bane loves bees, the pain, sorry, loves bees, he's surrounded by bees, and he'll throw them at you and shit, and, uh, yeah, you, you just, you, you shoot at him a lot, you kill him. And you move on to the next part of the game. There's a weird part here where uh, you see the end being pulled out uh, by the boss while Volgan and uh, Ocelot are talking. And if you actually shoot the end here, you don't fight him later. Uh, so that should be noted. That's really weird. Oh yeah, so he just makes his way through the facility. Eventually meets the guy who invented Metal Gear. He's uh, a disenfranchised Russian scientist who's kind of bummed out that they went with the Shagon instead of the Metal Gear. Uh, but Snake's yeah, yeah, what, yeah, whatever. Uh, and then basically after this, you just go through a flurry of boss fights and sneaking areas. So now you're gonna fight. After that, I believe the Fear, who is in a bunch of trees, and he just you know it's a basic like hide. He's hiding from you, and when he pops out, shoot him. He jumps at you or shoots bows at you. No big deal. But after that is when you fight the end, which is one of the most unique and uh, highly regarded boss fights in the entire series. So the end is a sniper on sniper boss fight. I'm sure we'll go into this in the gameplay section, so I'm not going to talk a lot about it uh, here. But needless to say, it's absolutely great. And after that, you fight the Fury, which is totally forgettable in my opinion. Uh, he's just an astronaut. Astronaut. He blows a lot of fire in a bunch of tubes. He reminds me of the old monk from Demon Souls. Anyway. So after that, Snake eventually, uh, after a bunch of circumstances, is captured by Colonel Volgan, who reveals a bunch of information. The real reason why Snake was sent there was to retrieve something called the Philosopher's Legacy, and he reveals who the Philosophers are. They're essentially the world Illuminati, a great alliance formed between Russia, China, and the United States during World War II. They amassed a great sum of $100 billion on a single microfilm as means to uh, fund everything that they were going to do. 
unfortunately, after World War II, like, there was a lot of infighting between the groups, and they splintered off into their respective countries. Colonel Volgan, through his father, who handled the microfilm, inherited it, but has essentially gone rogue and taken it for himself because he wants to make his own thing. That's how he got the Shagohod, etc. That's basically why he says, that's the real reason why he believes Snake was sent there, was to retrieve the philosopher's legacy. He also knows uh, that someone from China is also there as a spy trying to get it for their side. And, you know, probably somebody from the KGB as well. Um, so it's at this point that you're also tortured. <laughs> when you're tortured, your eye gets popped out by the boss. Uh, so that's pretty rad. <laughs> Uh, you eventually escape, though, with the help of Eva, who was very narrowly caught as being a spy until you um, basically took all the heat and distracted her. So, while you escape, you encounter the next boss fight at this point, I think, called the Sorrow. And the Sorrow is pretty unique. Once again, I believe we'll go into the mechanics and the actual ep- uh, follow-up discussion here. But it's pretty cool. Yeah, you meet up with Eva, you guys escape, you go to the next facility where you meet the boss, Ocelot, and Volgan. And you have your next, you have the last one of the last boss fights with Volgan. Uh, you defeat him not only in person, but also when he gets into the Shagahod, and you and Eva disable it via turret. As you're trying to make your escape, though, you are actually confronted by the boss for the last time, where you have to put all your skills to the test and defeat her in an epic boss battle. Uh, after that, she basically, you know, she just keeps saying like, no matter like. Like, no matter one of us dies and one of us lives, one of us is going to, like, face a life of endless battle no matter what after this. Uh, you have to kill me. You have ten minutes to. If you don't, like, I'm going to bomb the hell out of this place. Uh, so they have a boss fight, uh, and Snake beats her down, and the boss uh, reluctantly forces Naked Snake, or Jack, as he's known to her, to kill her. And so Naked Snake reluctantly shoots her and then makes his escape with Eva, not before as they're in the plane. Ocelot just pops out and he's like, oh, I'm going to stop you last minute. Uh, but they have this, like, this weird respect moment and he defeats, Naked Snake defeats Ocelot, pushes him out of the plane, or he jumps out, I forget, one of the two. And yeah, Naked Snake makes his way to Alaska with Eva, where after, finally with the mission done, they give in to their lust and sleep with each other only for Naked Snake to wake up and the microfilm that he retrieved from Vulcan earlier to have been stolen by Eva. He's like, ah, oh, goddammit. So he goes back to the States, and while we're while he's going back to the States, it's revealed that Eva also left him a tape that she recorded, and on the record, she reveals basically everything about the boss that we didn't know up until this point. She was never actually a traitor. She had been initially sent during the Virtuous Mission at the beginning of the game, to retrieve the microfilm from the states. The two nukes she had been given by the government were as a means to tr- as a to gain her trust with Vulgan to enter his 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 inner circle so she can get the microfilm. Uh only someone with her status could the Vulgan would ever fuck with anyway. So that's you know that's why it was her. Unfortunately, no one could have predicted that Vulgan would have been crazy enough to actually suit, set off a nuke like, right then and there on his own fucking facility. Uh, So, at that point, the U.S. was, like, they had no other option, or I guess, like, this is their best option, was they had to put all the blame on the boss. For her to fulfill her mission, she had to be killed. And uh, she, I think everybody wanted Naked Snake to do it. He was the best man for the job because she trained him, right? And she's like, yeah, like, you have to kill me, Jack, and everything. So it's a really emotional ending. Naked Snake gets, like, the Purple Heart and the title of Big Boss from uh, the U.S. president. He doesn't shake his hand. He just stands there saluting as he's walking off past Signet and Paramedic and Zero. Who, honestly, those three don't play a big part in this game, like, as far as, like, the overall plot goes, and this is going to be a big part of Metal Gear Solid 4 and why it's kind of weird. Um, but yeah, Eva's giving this really emotional speech about how she never betrayed the state. She actually was the most loyal, and she was a true patriot, and Snake, at her, at her grave, unmarked grave, just says for a true patriot, he salutes and sheds a single tear, 
as the credits roll as one of the most emotional endings in video games, let alone Metal Gear Solid plays, and the the ending to one of the best video games ever made. Um, in some post-credit scene, we get just another Ocelot scene where he's contacting the KGB, and he's like, "Yeah, I got the microfilm for you, all right." So it's revealed at the end that the microfilm Eva stole from you was a fake because uh, Ocelot had it the whole time, who was revealed to be Adam. Um, and it's also revealed that he's a triple agent because he gave half of it to the States and he hit half to KGB. So he's a total son of a bitch. But yeah, that's Metal Gear Solid 3, so we're going to take it away with me, Lee, and maybe Nick. Ha 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 ha! Unlike other weeks, I did not listen, uh, I didn't pre-listen to your breakdown. But do you remember it. the story, more or less? Sure. Yeah, of sure. course. I listened to other recaps of it. I threw on some like YouTube well, stuff. In any case, Lee, this is going to be a two-parter, it looks like, considering we only have about 17 minutes. No, yeah, let's talk about one of the greatest games of all time in 17 minutes. Yeah, no, this uh, will definitely be a two-parter, so you'll have plenty of time to listen to the story summary. Uh, so place and time, Hideo Kojima, uh, faced with the immense success of Metal Gear Solid 1 and 2, is basically signed on for a sequel. No. Like like every case, he doesn't want anything to do with it. No, he wants yeah, to hand it off. Yeah, from my understanding, Metal Gear Solid 3... Or maybe it was Metal Gear Solid 4. But he didn't want to make Metal Gear Solid 3, but then they're like... We're making- Reed, he didn't want to make Metal Gear 2 <laughs> until someone on a train told him he should, I think is the story. Yeah, uh, so. um, but yeah, I think it's from Metal Gear Solid 4, actually, where famously like he was going to hand off the series to this new director and everything. Right. He was going to be like a producer and a consultant. Yes. But then a- Death Threats came in, and Kojima's like, I have to direct this. I guess game. I don't want my family to die, so I guess I'm making another Metal Gear game. Yeah, so Metal Gear Solid 3 <laughs> in... Uh, der- so, this game's fucking weird because it's a prequel to the entire series, including yeah, Metal yeah. Gear and Metal Gear 2, and it stars Big Boss as the main character... And for the most Before part, he's big boss. And for the most part, it has nothing to fucking do with the main series, especially... Which is why it's the best one. Yeah. If, <laughs> uh, especially if you look in the context of this, Lee, if we think about this series, if there was no Metal Gear Solid 4, 5, Peace Walker, and if the series ended with Metal Gear Solid 3... Oh, could you imagine? It would be a near-perfect trilogy, and the credits for Metal Gear Solid 3 reinforce this because it simplifies the city... The story of the entire series with the timeline, yeah, to a very simple thing. Big Boss Metal Gear Solid Three disillusioned by the end makes a nation for heroes, gets fucked up by Solid Snake. The Metal Gear Solid Solid series happens, boom, right. and it's done. Clean, simple, quick, fresh. Right, and in video games, in terms of a uh, taking the villain, what was previously the villain, and flipping them, showing how they became the villain, and giving them a deeper context than they went evil, want to take over world, or whatever it is. Yeah. Looking for world peace, but going about it the wrong way. It wasn't, uh, no, he wasn't even that. He was just like, I want to make a nation for soldiers, that's it. Me and the soldiers, baby. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, yeah, Metal Gear Solid 3, one of the most well-respected, well-regarded uh, tops the list of everybody's game right. lists of all time. So, basic overview of the uh, mission before I think we'll just more talk about the gameplay and some of the boss fights for today. And we'll get more into the characters and stuff, yeah. which which I was not able to in the previous Metal Gear games, like of our conversations of them. I don't hold them in that high regard. I think it's full of fluff. I think it's full of bullshit, and I think Metal Gear Solid Three is the most focused. Well, it's definitely the simplest. I absolutely yeah. love all the Metal Gears and their stories because I'm really into dumb anime bullshit. It, a lot of the stuff around the outside edges of Metal Gear Solid 3 only matter to Metal Gear Solid 3. Yes. Whereas in the other games, it's like, well, that'll be paid yeah. off, maybe. You would uh, even, yeah. I would even go as far as to say that uh, trying to add in Metal Gear Solid 3 elements into later games, especially 4, yes. with how the Patriots worked out... W- is a total error. Is a right. total fucking Metal Gear Solid error. 4 was a mistake. <laughs> to a degree, yeah. Uh. <laughs> um, but yeah, Metal Gear Solid 3, what a hell of a game. Uh, so in Metal Gear Solid 1 and 2, Lee, as yes. you well know, you are fighting in urban areas and facilities, sure. metal walls, corridors. Metal Gear Solid 3, completely different. Vibrant, vast, open jungles. Right. Open-ended uh, Two very different versions of this game exist. Mm-hmm. I played the one that gave you direct ca- camera control, whereas the original one had fixed camera, yeah. which I'm to understand was a bit of a nightmare. Yes, uh, uh-huh. absolutely. Playing this game when it was just Metal Gear Solid 3 and not subsistence, when you didn't have those extra controls, is a fucking nightmare. Yeah. Having that third-person camera option is such a helpful thing, especially in the jungle, and how much everything blends in with each other. I mean, on for good reason. 
and the HD collection, which of course has Peace Walker, Metal Gear Solid, and Metal Gear Solid 2. Right. Metal Gear Solid 3 does have the subsistence, subsistence controls. Um, basic overview of the story, uh, your mentor, the boss, uh, has defected from the U.S. Or, fill in the gaps here for me. Defected from the U.S. Army, <laughs> Naked Snake is called in. Uh, so here's the basic story. Yes. Naked Snake is a bit, is uh, first sent in to rescue a Russian scientist. Right. Um, but through this mission, uh, his mentor, the boss, who was a famous World War II discovered soldier, to be a defector, uh, defects yeah. basically to the to a Russian extremist group. Right. Uh, Russia demands USA go kill her to prove their innocence in a nuclear bombing. So they send in Naked Snake again. Bunch of stuff happens. Naked Snake has to kill the boss. Uh, it's discovered that she was sent there in on purpose right. uh, to take the blame for it, essentially, and to recover something called the Philosopher's Legacy. If you listen to my story, something that's a big is, jump. Uh, so, so yeah. Snake arrives. He's in the jungle. Uh, one of the first things you notice is there is an injury system in this game, which Fights in Tight Spaces also has. It adds injury cards to your deck that take up spots, which is super cool. Uh, so you're constantly uh, dealing with the fallout of your actions through the game, yeah. whether you are bitten by snakes or shot or punched. Uh, yeah. Sometimes you will have injuries that you do need to take care of. There's an adaptive camouflage you unlock, which is not quite the same as the camouflage in Metal Gear Solid 4. Right. I was about to say yeah. that the survival system of fixing injuries is only present in Metal Gear Solid 3 and does not return any game. No, and as, it's really cool. Yeah as, yeah, as far as a mechanic, I can definitely take it or leave it, though. Yeah. Like, the first few times you do it, you're like, yeah, this is really cool. By like the seventh or eighth, you're like, yeah, who gives a shit? It's. It, I always feel a system like that, a consist, like a consistent injury system, which Fallout has to a lesser extent too, uh, with radiation and like damaging your limbs, is that if you get through an encounter clean, then you don't have to worry about it. If you get through it and do too badly, die, well, then you get another shot. If you get through it by the skin of your teeth, you might have those injuries to take with you. And it's at that point, your decision whether it was worth it or do you want to reload a previous yeah. save and try to... Uh, and it also makes the boss fights uh, a little more spicy, I think, too. Yeah, I think having to uh, go into the menus and navigate through a bunch of things stuff yeah. is a little bit cumbersome. It, Obviously, hindsight being twenty twenty one. Right, it's dumb. It's click click a button to heal the thing. But it is, it is more immersive in this mission where you are... Going through the jungle yeah, with Snake. The camouflage uh, comes back in basically every Metal Gear after this. Metal Gear Solid 4 does it the most convenient way, I wouldn't necessarily say the best, by always giving you the optimal camouflage no matter where you are, as long mm -hmm. as you stay still for a certain period. Right. In other games, it's the Metal Gear Solid 3 style. It depends on the one you put. The flaw of Metal Gear Solid 3 for the camouflage is it gives you too many. Or only sure. really ten of them are useful, in my opinion. Most of them are just like whatever. It's different. It's fashion read. Yeah, it's different. <laughs> if you want to do a challenge run where you stick right. out and everything, but yeah. Uh, so and then you yeah. can also hunt animals and right. build your solid three Lee. Mm -hmm. Kill snakes. You Whoa. can kill gators. Yes. Kill birds. Yes. You eat them all. Yeah, and you can fucking eat them. That's right. You can fuck and eat them. You can fuck uh, and eat them. The attention to detail in Metal Gear Solid 3, of course, it, it continues the legacy of the, the games to this point, uh, with things like Snake being able to catch a cold, uh, he gets hungry, you can hear his oh. stomach growling. Yeah, and not uh, even just that, Lee, the massive additions they implemented with the CQC absolutely that boss taught Naked Snake. So now you can hold fellows up, make them shake, so they draw Right, yeah, I didn't even... I didn't even consider yeah. that was when that started yeah yeah you can put their gun behind their head and make them shake so they drop ammo you can ask like where friends are or ammo is you can punch them and kick them to the ground you can drag their bodies away uh you can shoot hornet's nests above suspecting guards so the bees attack yes them. which is as common in video games as a red barrel that explodes now now uh, but yes yeah. at the time like <laughs> this was wild and if you watch speed runs of people playing through Metal Gear Solid 3 and watching like night certain positions to distract guards to get away while they sneak through areas and they make it look like a cinematic experience this game is uh really set the building blocks for Metal Gear Solid 5 which is still the best third-person stealth action game ever made. I mean, I'm not going to disagree with you. Yeah. Uh, although others may. Uh, so you have a. Uh, you have, I'm just going to. I'm going to throw out a word. The Shagahod. Shagahod is a bipedal <laughs> tank. Yes. That was a Metal Gear. No. So Metal Gear was made by a different Russian scientists, but um, I forget how they explain it in game. Either it's due to the costs or just it's not viable at the time. They decided to go with the Shagohod instead, right. which is basically just a big tank that can launch nukes, as opposed to the Metal Gear, which is a bipedal mech right. that can launch nukes. Which is, in, in theory, less effective. Unless, uh, unless a man 
on foot is going to fight your tank, which is often what happens in Metal Gear Solid, uh, you're better off with just the tank than the bipedal thing. The bipedal thing right, can be taken I guess out. their thought is that tanks can't go like through like deep ditches. What if it like... just f- could fly? <laughs> right? <laughs> Why don't you just make one that flies? <laughs> uh, so this is taking place at the, the height of uh, the cold. Oh, wait, world. because yeah. you don't want to get detected by radar. You just fly low. Just hover. Or some shit. No, I don't know. Listen, I'm not a Russian scientist. Whatever. Uh, it takes place in the 60s. I don't know. Is it say exactly? It starts when in 1964 for okay. the Virtuous Mission, and then the uh, the follow up mission right after for Snake uh, to go kill the boss. Is I'm, a, I'm a sucker for the Cold War. I like when uh, the Cold War is romanticized as having a, a, a war where, as far as me and you are concerned, not a single bullet was fired. Uh, we sure like romanticizing that war as having so much espionage. And, and working Spies, against the Russians. KGB. and Yes. And Hideo Kojima accidentally makes one of the better, more over-the-top... Like, so this this game's also very cheesy in a lot of points. Right. Uh, we should say right away that this game is heavily based upon, um, I would say, two things, which is James Bond. Sure. And then, uh, like, jungle action movies, like, you know, Armageddon... Uh, Armageddon with, with Bruce Willis? Fucking uh, Armageddon or some shit. Definitely mostly Apocalypse Now. Definitely, uh, (laughs) definitely mostly James Bond. But they're like, you gotta know the the jungle fighting shit came from somewhere. If you forget what what the game is referencing, the characters in the codec conversations will tell you directly, uh, straight face that don't you like James Bond? Snake, don't you like James Bond movies? Yeah, you know, have you heard? So, just, yeah, this game is a very campy 60s vibe yes. to it, which is totally okay with me. I fucking love it. So, uh, without putting words in the man's mouth, Hideo Kojima apparently, uh, with his family growing up, was, like, forced to watch a lot of this era of movies. Uh, like, like, don't go to sleep. You need you need to watch this bad James Bond movie from 1960. And uh, this, this was more... He did something kind of more personal to himself telling this story... Uh, and then finding a way to just be like, oh no, we can you can totally I like it. I like that there's a hard from Metal Gear Solid 2 to this. I like the a big shift in tone. A shift in tone. Uh the game doesn't take itself as as serious. Right. But then when it does, it's it comes off way oh, more serious. Yeah. Emotionally speaking, it's easily the best game in the series between right. the emotions between Jack and the boss. Yeah. Especially the final speech and everything going on there. The, fi- the, the ending scene, Metal Gear Solid 3, is famous. The single tear yes. rolls out of his eyes. Absolutely. Salutes. And, man, if you actually play through the full game, one of the most emotional scenes in video games. Yes. So you're... Um, This game also benefits heavily, though, from not having any future bullshit in it. There's no nanomachines. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah. There's no AI. There's no loose concepts. Like There is no... a man that can shoot lightning from his hands, yeah. but we'll, we'll let but that that's, happen. That's whatever. But there's no like loose concepts like at the end of Metal Gear Solid 2 where... Like, Maybe Rose shows up and she's talking to maybe Raiden and maybe right. Manhattan. Uh, no, this is like this is like an action movie. Yes, that's a video game. <laughs> like the plot is simple and straightforward. There's a little bit of twists and turns in there, but characters' motivations are very clear. the The plot is really easy to understand, and there's no Japanese anime bullshit right. for you to have to get around. You have, you have a rival in Ocelot. You have a love interest. You have a clear uh, villain. You have a clear objective. The best lineup of Metal Gear Solid bosses. I would disagree. Metal Gear Solid one's better. Um, <laughs> Maybe if they if it was reiterated on, but I think in terms of looking at the the whole and and the setting and all that, I think it's the best. Uh, the the end is the first boss fight, right? No, no. Who's, he's, who's he's the beforehand? third? Who, am I the, doing it out of the order? First is the, so first boss you fight is the pain. Right. The pain uses a lot of bees. Is the bee man? Yeah, and you're in a, a cave that has mostly water. The pain will stay on a stationary island while he shoots bees at you. Right. You can shoot him from your stationary island or go underwater to dodge his bees. Pretty simple basic dodge his fight. Bees. Yeah. Yeah. After that, you fight the fury. Right. Uh, the fury. Like, can twist his arms in weird ways and climbs up. Like, in that fucking Metal Gear Solid. Wait, is that the Fury? Yeah. No, the Fear. The Fear, right. Yeah. The Fear! Yes. He fucking climbs up the tree. Like, um, right. You just shoot him. You can use night vision goggles to find him fairly easily. It's been a while. I'm like, the Fear and the Pain, are they not the same guy? So after that is the most famous boss fight in all of Metal Gear Solid. Is it? Besides Psycho Mantis. Okay. Uh, and that is the end. In terms of the gimmick, you mean? I would say, in terms of, like, if you talk to any person who's played every single Metal Gear Solid, you'd be like, who's the coolest boss fight? They're either going to say 
Psycho Mantis, or the end. The end you can beat in a multitude of ways. Lee. Right. You the sniper either, duel with an old yeah. man. So you can either snipe him earlier in the game when he's being brought out by the boss on a wheelchair. Right. And if you have the the patience and the accuracy, you can just kill the end there and you won't fight him later. Simple as that. That's what Andrew usually normally does. Two. No honor. <laughs> Two, you get to the fight with the end, save your game, exit out, go to the PS2 settings, change your date and time to a week later, mm. come back, and the end will be dead because he was waiting for too long. Right. And then when you come upon his body, Snake actually like has flavor text or like flavor dialogue where he's just like, oh, his he his dying wish was to fight me, and, and I, fucking, I, 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 I fucking a, took it away yeah, from I'm him. I'm a fucking coward. Yeah. Um, Except Snake doesn't reference, doesn't break the fourth wall and say I shouldn't have turned the calendar forward on the yeah, PS2. But, but yeah, and I love how they, <laughs> they give you hints in that because they're like, he's fucking old as shit and he's always sleeping. He only wakes up when, with the little time he has left to fight people. Right. And then option three is the good old fashioned way and just have a fucking sniper fight with him. Yes. Whether you do that by staying in one place and tracking him while he tracks you. Or you do it like me. I put on the night vision goggles and I track his footprints and then I shoot him once and I keep tracking him. But overall, very unique boss fight. Yes. After that is a bunch of normal bullshit. You have the Fury after. Yes. Which I love the Fury. Astronaut guy. Yeah. I, totally unremarkable. What are you talking about? You, I love the fucking... That boss fight's fucking awesome. No, He's he insane. Just, <laughs> he just shoots fire in like a tunnel and you have to dodge it everyone. I yeah, thought it was completely yeah. unremarkable. Um, the Fury. Best boss fight. <laughs> after that, you have the Sorrow, which isn't really a boss fight. So let's talk about the Sorrow. Yeah. Because there's a lot to talk about there. Uh, people say that this boss fight doesn't actually happen. That it's in Snake's head. No, it happens. You're ex- that you're in a, well, a, a, a... You're not on Earth. You know that he is dead. No, you're escaping through the river. Like, it's happening to right. Snake. He escapes right. from Rosengrad. So. But what other supernatural events happen in the game other than seeing the Sorrow? The pain's using fucking bees. And That's not the, supernatural. That's science. The end is living off photosynthesis. Yes. <laughs> right. So no, he's I, not the only one because uh, Quiet also uh, absorbs because of the end. Yeah, like, we'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> we'll fucking get there. But I'm just saying that, like, like for anybody to be like, oh, this will thing- you agree that there is a difference between controlling bees with science? And a they ghost. never explain his controlling it doesn't. Well, it would be nanomachines if they had to explain no, it. No, nanomachines didn't exist at this point. You're saying he has dominion over bees. They, yes, I'm saying he has direct control over bees. We don't know if it's supernatural or... we don't, No one explains... I bet someone knows. No one explains <laughs> his bee gimmick, okay? So, Soro, as far as I'm concerned, right. fucking canon. So he, he's like Aquaman. He can talk to the bees. <laughs> Is that what you're saying? The pain... Yes. Yeah, sure. I would say the pain can talk to... I don't know. The fear is just like a contortionist (laughs) who's just like freaky. He's just like, he's on you. Yes. Right. The end is just an old man, a sniper. He's an old man. Everything to do with the photosynthesis. Who got infected with plant cells. Right, no. Except that's made up. That's something they made up about him. Let's say. You you would explain... No. It doesn't matter. It doesn't make him a better... It's just something they made up. It's like, this guy doesn't have to fucking move. He absorbs the sun. He doesn't have to eat. He can sit there forever. You're going to have to kill him by turning your calendar forward on the Right, right. But what are you trying to say here? I'm trying to say that the the sorrow, being a ghost, <laughs> is is something that's not in keeping with everything else in the game. I, that can be explained away with right. some sort of bullshit. Right, but saying that it's like it happens snake's head precisely because it's so wacky is like it's not even the wackiest thing in this video game. I'm I'm saying like the the whole like there's no tangible Part of that. Okay, so if you kill a bunch of soldiers, the idea is that they are in your way in the river as you make your way down it. Yes? It's yeah. been a while. That's the idea. Uh, so you make your way through the sorrow. So as a boss fight, it's unique in that there isn't... There's no one to fight in it, right? You're just making your way from one end of the river to the other. Is there a time? Is there... You tell me. Uh, like... So- I'm vastly interested in the sorrow. You know how I latch on to something with another sorrow has... Very simple, okay? You just, you just, <laughs> free. You just we gotta get things. out of here. He either shoots lightning bolts at you, right? And sometimes he doesn't, okay? And then he has a revival gimmick, right? The revival gimmick will determine the amount of time you're having this boss fight, right? And it's determined on how many people you have killed lethally, right? If you have killed fucking nobody to it's this quick. point, which is entirely possible, he's gonna shoot like two fucking lightning bolts at you and be like, all right. Yeah, then you take the revival pill or whatever, yeah, right? Yeah, and then yeah. you're gone, that's it. Yeah. If you killed a fuck ton of people, this is going to last like five or ten minutes. Okay, so this is, you were literally saying, Snake is wandering down a river, 
He is being presented with the ghosts of the soldiers he has killed. Yeah. Uh, there is a ghost, the Soro, that's shooting lightning bolts at him. Yeah. And to win the boss fight, you have to die. Well, you... I forget. I'm, man, I haven't played this in a long fucking time. But yeah, that's why was... we're going to stop here today. Yeah. I want to find out the source of the bees. And I want to find out the ghost thing. Uh, and then I'm going to take a deeper dive back onto the story so I can remember some stuff here. Because they, we, I, if, if any game in the series, I want to do this one. It's... Uh, it's fair justice. Uh, for myself, Lee, and for Reed, at Tits Iceberg, or sorry, Iceberg Podcast is where you can get us on Twitter. Uh, Lee at TitsIceberg.com is uh, my email address. You can leave questions, topics, etc. No Sultans of Slam this previous week, but we got a mega episode coming up covering uh, <laughs> the explosion and revolution and everything that's happened since then. So check that out. Thank you, as always, for listening.